1: Welcome to Andy Staples on 3, and it's that weird week of the year where we get the new polls on Tuesday because they had games on Monday, and of course, that Duke-Clemson game on Monday did have an impact on the poll, but we got fresh steaming polls, fresh steaming piles of poll, whatever you want to call it. Listen, we were just guessing before, and we were guessing with zero data points. Now we're guessing with one data point, so it's going to be a little, little hit or miss, I always, When I was a poll voter, when I voted in the AP poll, I liked to really shake things up at the first week. Just sort of go based on only what we'd seen on the field this season instead of other stuff. It's hard to do because teams will play cupcakes and it doesn't really matter. But I, I'm disappointed in the voters in the AP and the coaches poll. Like Colorado, they're 22 in the AP, 25 in the coaches poll. This is the time to completely overreact and put them at like 8 Who's it gonna hurt? You can just drop them if they lose to Nebraska. Nobody's gonna care. Come on, have hot takes. You you have hot takes about Dion when you're writing stuff. AP poll voters, so have hot takes when it comes to putting them in the poll. That, that 22 doesn't feel like a very hot take. AP poll, AP voters. So Florida State up four to number four. That's your that's your biggest mover at the top. Uh, Notre Dame up three to number ten. LSU drops nine spots to fourteen. This is this is the part where, as a voter, I don't know if I'd leave them in there at all. They can get back in by winning more games, but you could just drop them right now. That's just uh, people people want to play it safe. They want to say, oh well, no, no no no, I I I said they'd be good in the preseason, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep them up there. But guys, just take some chances. It's week two. You get to do 12 more of these. Well, 13 more if you count the last one. So what you do now, not really going to matter. But we got polls. Colorado's in them. Now, now we get to have the number next to Colorado's name, which apparently does matter to TV programmers. So when Fox broadcasts the, the Colorado-Nebraska game on Saturday, they will get to put the number next to Colorado's name. And apparently that means something in terms of viewership. So there you go. They they got the number. It's probably not as high as it as it could be because again, one data point, pretty good one. If you thought TCU was good before and Colorado beat them at TCU, you should just jump them all the way up to like again, jump them up to like 7. Who cares? Give give Fox a a little small number to put next to their name. That apparently will will draw even more viewers. But we'll see. We've got polls. And that's what really matters. And in the polls, if, we're, if you're scoring at home, number 11, Texas will be headed to number three, Alabama and Tuscaloosa. How big is that game? It is so big that even the kickers have NIL deals for a commercial for a week of this game. Like Goldman Sachs was looking around and said, we, we got the biggest game of the week, Texas, Alabama, eyes on it. Who are we, who we going to get? The kickers. Bert Auburn and Will
2: Reichard. Bert, when was the last time you saw a kicker in a commercial? I haven't seen a lot of interest, even with this hand. But when the game's on the line, kickers are the difference between winning and losing. It's like small businesses. Without them, the economy would lose every time. But did you know that Congress hasn't reauthorized the Small Business Administration since 2000? 23 years is way too long to go without modernizing support for the clutch players of our economy. Support small businesses. Reauthorize the Small Business Administration.
1: First of all, Bert Arburn's hair is electrifying. That man was made for the camera. Will Reichard, he's the one who solidified Alabama's kicking position after what felt like 15 years of... Ugh. So these two guys are stars. And I just wondered, if, if one of them kicks the game winner, does that mean that Congress will reauthorize the Small Business Administration? I, I, I don't we got to put some stakes on this thing. And it, I, I do think it's funny that if their schools and conferences can go lobby Congress to get an NIL bill that would probably take money out of their pockets. Ultimately, uh, I like the fact that they can take money from Goldman Sachs to lobby Congress or something else. It's it, it only seems fair. But Burt Auburn, I mean, that man was born to be a star. And I do know that the the lazy headline writers of the world are dying for him to kick a game winner against Alabama so that they can just write Auburn beats Alabama. But this game could come down to a lot more than kicks. It may come down to kick who knows, but lot going on in the trenches, very intriguing quarterback matchup. We're going to break that all down with Bobby Burton of inside Texas right now. We welcome Bobby Burton from inside Texas and Uh, The On Texas YouTube feed, which by the way, your lunch with the coach, (laughs) that is a must watch if you're a Texas fan. Uh, You bring on Coach Irwin, one of the former high school coach in Texas, and break down each Texas game. I I learned so much watching you guys talk about that Rice game.
0: Thanks, Andy. We try to do it each and every week uh, on Mondays. And uh, Coach Overwin won two state championships uh, in the state of Texas. I was actually at Texas when he was a student assistant there. He went on to be a GA and coaching college before heading on. But, uh, yeah, we love it because uh, we try to go behind the scenes a little bit and uh, really break down some things that happened during the game to give fans an educated look at what's going on.
1: Well, and and the thing is, it's so hard to judge this, this Texas-Alabama matchup because – are two data points, the, the Alabama-Middle Tennessee game and the Texas-Rice game, two two games where teams beat overmatched opponents. It's not easy to kind of pick through and figure out, okay, this is something they need to worry about. This is something they, they can, you know, it was just because of, of the circumstances of that game. But with, with Texas, I, I, I was really interested in, you know, the way they played offensively, Quinn Ewers, some of the choices he made. One of, one of the things that, that Coach was, was getting on him about was Quinn kind of bailing on the pocket when there was no pressure. If you have a, a clean pocket against Alabama, you got to hang in there and throw. And that, that's, that's stuff that I would imagine that Steve Sarkeesian is, is really trying to clean up this week.
0: Yeah, the, the, the reality of it is, is that Texas has to, Andy, uh, be able to execute on offense. Uh, Quinn Ewers is only in his second year starting. Uh, he only really started half the year a year ago. Uh, and so he's still getting into the, the flow of things. This, he didn't take a single hit in spring training or fall camp. Uh, so this was really the first time with live bullets in nine months at least. Um, I expect Texas to come out with more RPO game against Alabama uh, to get Quinn more comfortable in the pocket, to perhaps slow down the Alabama pass rush or at least negate it a, a little bit early and then uh, really try to, to, to try to pick its spots to go deep. That's going well, to that, be, that's going
1: to be it. That's what I was wondering about because Texas is so deep in terms of pass catching targets, whether it's Xavier worthy, uh, Jordan Whittington, AD Mitchell, uh, JT Sanders, like they have so many options there, but they don't have Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson anymore. Uh, they do have some, some young backs that they like, but in terms of security blanket in the backfield, it doesn't feel like that's there anymore. No, they don't. And they lost Cedric Baxter
0: uh, early in the game against Rice with a, a ding shoulder or Bruce Sternum. Uh, and they're not sure if he's going to be back in time for uh, Alabama's the nation's number one rated running back last year. He had popped off a 30-yard run and got injured on it. Uh, so he looked good early. But Jonathan Brooks, a junior, uh, has taken over. But to your point, he's not B. John Robinson. Heck, he's not even Roshan Johnson. Uh, who was also uh, NFL draft pick, a backup to Bijan last year. And so they don't have that security blanket. Uh, they're trying to figure out how to to do this. The one thing that I would look for against Alabama, Andy, is can Texas get Xavier Worthy, AD or Adonai Mitchell, uh, the ball in space in one-on-one coverage? If they can, those guys can get open about just about against anybody and then JT Sanders against the Alabama linebackers would be another one that, that all being said, they have to get time. They have to create time for, for Quinn in the pocket.
1: And that's going to be a big, big, a tall ask, I think against Alabama. So talking to Jim Nagy from the senior bowl yesterday, and we were talking about the Texas defensive line and uh, Alfred Collins is someone who the NFL scouts just love because of, of measurables and, and, and explosiveness. He's, he's, you know, kind of come on quite slowly through his career, but it seems like now is the time. Tavondre Sweat, another guy who's been there a while, who developed, who looks very good right now. They look the part. This is the first time I I can say that about a Texas team. I feel like on the defensive line where they look the part where you can compete with an Alabama, an Ohio State, a Georgia up front defensively since, gosh, I'd say late, you know, late 2000s, 2009, probably. Yeah, I think they've got three guys that are draftable at
0: defensive tackle this coming year. So if uh, they are Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, and then Byron Murphy as a junior, Mm a true junior. Um, And those three guys are all going to get draft grades. Uh, And you're right. That's the first time in a long time. The question I have is not necessarily those interior guys, but against Alabama, you're going to have to keep. Jalen Milrow hemmed in a yeah. little bit. I don't have any question that Texas is going to be okay up front. Uh, right now, Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell are your two edge players. Ethan Burke uh, earned the starting job. Ovia Gufu transferred from Texas to LSU as a grad transfer this year. Started for LSU, by the way, mm-hmm. yep. uh, on, on uh, against Florida State. But Ethan Burke already in his first game had one and a half sacks. Ovia Gufu all of last year had one and a half sacks. So there's an improvement at edge too. Baron Sorrell's gotten better, Andy. So I, I, I do agree with you that the front three, that, that the guys that kind of control the line of scrimmage, is a strong point. But I think Texas is hoping to get more out of its edge play this year too, and take another step on defense.
1: How important is Jalen Ford that you know that Mike linebacker when you're playing a quarterback like Jalen Milrow? I, I think he's absolutely vital, um, and I don't. I, I
0: don't know. I don't know if you saw all of it, but Jalen uh, Jalen Ford made a one-handed interception. Uh, yeah. He's now got five interceptions in the last thirteen games, or something like crazy, like that, uh, for a linebacker. Um, he he basically keeps the front seven together with the back end. It's his job to kind of communicate between the two. With Milrow though, I don't know that you can spy him per se with any one player. I think he's too fast, too strong. I, I actually think that Texas will be, it'll be important for them to play a little bit of umbrella color coverage to try to get Jalen Milrow to keep him in front of them, right? Instead of beating them with his legs, to beat him with the arm. Ford's ability to get in passing lanes is something that that I want to see and and. For Texas to win, Jalen Ford's going to have to be a guy.
1: What would it mean for Texas to win this game? Just grand scheme. How how big would this be? Um, it's the first top 10 road game
0: for Texas, other than Texas OU, with two top 10 uh, road opon- or opponents since 2008, when wow. Texas went to Texas Tech. Um, Texas hasn't traveled to Tuscaloosa in more than 100 years, by the way. Um, so take those two stats out of it, and I would say that this is a, okay, we're here, not a we're back kind yeah. of statement game for Texas. Um, we are competitive, and we can, we can get things done. It is a statement in the state of Texas uh, that Texas and Texas A&M can compete with Alabamas and whoever uh, of the world. I I really believe Andy from, from my standpoint and looking at the whole of the program, it would be the marquee win of Steve Sarkeesian's coaching career.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. There's nothing at Washington or USC that would compare to that either. No, that's what I'm saying. And so he's got, he,
0: he, he needs a big win too, not just the university of Texas. And because he's done, he's really struck a chord in the state of Texas with recruits and even nationwide, this would be, you know, him playing the fiddle. <laughs> he would yeah. have a real chance in recruiting uh with a win like this. And so from a, a Texas program perspective where they've added talent, etc., it could be absolutely enormous.
1: We'll be right back with more from Bobby Burton talking Texas, Alabama. But first, I want to tell you about Roback. When you see this little dog, that's a Rhodesian ridgeback. When you see that on an item of clothing. Just know the person wearing that item of clothing is more comfortable than you. They're probably more confident than you because they're feeling elite because they're wearing Roback. I have had Roback performance hoodies before. I, I had some some first generation Roback performance hoodies. I just got this navy one. I got to tell you, I don't know how they did it. It's somehow softer and more comfortable than the hoodies I had before, which I thought. We're the most comfortable hoodies in the world, which pretty much immediately got stolen by members of my family. This one, they're not touching it. They're not allowed because there is not a garment on earth that is more comfortable than this. This is going to be my new go-to. You're going to see me a lot in this. You're going to say, Andy, you're wearing that the Navy hoodie again. You're right because it feels amazing. And this is not one of those hoodies that you're bundling up with. You can wear this in in any client. I live in Florida, it's a thousand degrees, but this is the type of thing I'm gonna wear fishing. So there is a lot to look for at Rowback. You've got your hoodies, your Q-zips, your polos, your everyday shorts, your joggers, all of it designed for maximum comfort, maximum versatility. And right now, use that code STAPLES, 20% off your first order. So if you want to be more comfortable and more confident than everyone else you see, go to roback.com. Performance hoodies, polos, Q-Zips, you name it. Promo code STAPLES, 20% off your first order. And me, I'm going to sit here and luxuriate in this glorious hoodie for a little bit longer. One thing I, I would like to, to have you explain this because I, I've been trying to explain it, but I, I'm not deep enough inside Texas to, to really get the point across, I think. How different is this Texas team personnel-wise from what we've seen for the past 14 years, thir- you know, 12, 13 years? How how different are they from a, a standpoint of people on the roster that NFL teams want to draft who can, can hang with, elite talent elsewhere it's a great
0: question uh there's there's a couple points Uh, one andy is they have eight to ten guys that are going to get nfl draft grades this coming season so they'll have a big a a big group the real issue um, for texas is that not only do they have that top end group they've had two consecutive recruiting classes that they are panning out like sometimes recruiting classes fall apart you know and a highly ranked class looks average at best. This one's not. The last two are not doing that. They played, I think, twelve true freshmen on Saturday. They started one at running back, back uh, Anthony Hill at linebacker, Derek Williams at safety. They've got some guys, uh, and so I look at it, and the difference right now is depth. One through eighty-five, they are probably they are probably good talent. One through sixty, right now. Um, and that's the difference between a team that, you know, falls, that doesn't have, uh, Steve Sarkeesian says it this way. I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it. He goes, look, our difference between our ones and our twos is much closer than when I got here. So if somebody goes out, there's not this massive drop. Okay. In expectations or performance. And that's the difference between Texas then and now, all of this, though, a lot of it, I think, this weekend is going to come back to quarterback play uh, and where Quinn Ewers is in that phase and where Jalen Milroe is, conversely, in him, in his phase.
1: Quinn Ewers is interesting to me because I go back to that Alabama, Alabama game last year, and he looked incredible right up until the moment he got hurt. And he was not the same guy when he came back from the injury. We, we I don't think we've seen that Quinn Ewers again. Can we get him back for this game? You saw a little bit of it in Washington against Washington.
0: Uh-huh. When Bijan and Roshan were out, they were waiting on the NFL draft. They played Washington in the Alamo Bowl, and uh, Sark relied heavily on RPO game uh, and just let Quinn be the leader of the offense. I think you saw that. I think against uh, Rice, you saw a lot of two tight end looks, which was interesting because I think Sark wanted to kind of Show the physicality of the offensive line. Uh, I don't think he felt good about that physicality. In fact, he mentioned it on uh, Monday at Monday's press conference that he was disappointed somewhat in that. Um, I I look for Texas to try to really throw the ball around to loosen up the Alabama defense, make Kevin Steele and, and that uh, that defense try some different, varied things. Uh, but uh, long story short, uh, Quinn Ewers has to has to improve as the season goes on if texas wants to win 10 games uh, and compete for the big 12 championship
1: well and that's the thing this will be the last game they're not favored in, probably for the rest of the the regular season i will see how oklahoma rounds into form before they play but it feels like this is this is the shot this is this is the chance to do it how do they do they manage that going forward (laughs)
0: Um, with kid gloves, I think, because the, the culture at Texas, uh, while I think it's improved with Steve Sarkeesian, it's still tenuous, right? Um, a lot of Texas fans have seen this, oh, we're back, you know, here we come again, we're going to be fine. Um, and then it, it falls flat on its face. I think that this team is a little bit different in that, that depth that we talked about, Andy. Yep. Is there So there's some there's a little bit more backbone to it. Um, that being said, I, I think that you're not far off. I mean, how do you keep that up? And the answer is, I don't know how Texas is going to perform as front runners. And that's what you're really asking. Uh, because every time they do it, they lose to a K-State mm-hmm. or they lose to an Oklahoma team they had a chance to beat in the Big 12 title. Those kind of mix and match things, very, very interesting. And part of the psyche, you know, we call it PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Longhorns have that right now, the last 15, 13, 14 years. That's been the feeling a little bit. And so you hit the nail on the head.
1: Well, the, the thing that you told me, though, that I, I find interesting, and the more I think about it, it gives me more confidence in, in this Texas team. You talk about the, the depth from one to 60, the, that the backups are, are almost as good as the starters. I find that in those situations, the starters are working harder because they know they can lose their job on any day. Like that is the situation every day at Georgia. That's the situation every day at Ohio State. And that's why they sustain like this. That's what Jim Harbaugh has finally created at Michigan. And I think Texas has not had that in a long, long time. That's the environment I think that, that does create those teams that are more Mentally tough, I think. I
0: agree. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Because Andy, if you look at it, you and I talk. Uh, if this is our second or third conversation. If you look at the best teams, there's a saying: "Iron sharpens iron." Well, it's kind of a cliche, right? But it's true. Competition in any walk of life typically makes the strong better. And I believe, I firmly believe that happens on a football field. I talked to Rod Babers, who's on with us at uh, on Texas Football and Inside Texas, about it, former all-conference all uh, cornerback. And he was like, look, who was my backup when I was young? It was Cedric Griffin and, Ter- <laughs> and Terrell Brown. He goes, I'm going to get drafted. I know I'm going to get drafted, but those guys are probably more talented than me. So I, what am I going to do to keep my job? And, you know, those are both guys that played 10 years in the NFL that he started in front of. He goes. Look, if I would have come in at the same time as them, I'm probably not going to win that job. Yeah. He is a senior and a junior. He's sitting there going, "I've got to go. I've got to keep my job." And uh, it makes you more technically sound, and makes you want to study more film. Andy, Mm -hmm. I mean, because you need to you need to prove you're mentally above
1: what a freshman can do because your experience actually matters. So I I, I agree. Well, I I can't wait to see it. This is. I haven't been this excited about a game in quite some time. And that's saying something because the games this weekend were pretty awesome. So I can't wait, Bobby. Thank you so much. And uh, it's coming. Saturday, <laughs> maybe. I'll be there on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Uh, so we'll right. see how it goes. Thank you, Bobby. Have a good one, Andy. Thank you to Bobby Burton, that Texas Bama game, Bama, a seven point favorite right now let's talk some lines of interest for week two there there's a there's a bunch out there that are that are intriguing uh, notre dame is a seven point favorite on the road at nc state It is a uh, an interesting week for the road favorites we've also got texas a&m a four and a half point favorite on the road at miami which that, that's going to be a very intriguing game miami looked like it had a running game in its season opener but that's The season opener against Miami of Ohio, Texas A&M's defensive front considerably different looking than Miami of Ohio. So we will see how that one shakes out. Nebraska, Colorado, Colorado actually opened as a five and a half point favorite after beating TCU. That has been bet down to two and a half. So uh, the, the sharps feeling like maybe Nebraska will get some stuff figured out offensively. Uh, Nebraska's defense looked very good against Minnesota last week, but, TCU's defense, I think, is going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be Georgia's defense by any stretch, but I think they're going to be okay. And Colorado shredded them, so I'm very intrigued by what happens with Coach Prime. Another game that that fascinates me. Oklahoma is a 16 and a half point favorite against SMU, but I'm more interested in that total, 69 and a half, right now. That still feels very low for these two teams. I I, I think if there's a game that is going to feature a ton of fireworks this weekend. That's the one. So we'll talk more on Wednesday's show. Our special guest picker will be Jacob Hester from LSU running back. You can hear him on Sirius XM college. He uh, he's deep into the analytics and the advanced stats. So I'm curious to see where he goes on some of these games, but he's also a fullback at heart. And so it, we'll see if, if that, comes back to him and he just picks the, the team that blocks the best and has the best big people. But Jacob Hester will be with us Wednesday to talk about that. Now, though, it is time to talk to the architect of a big upset. GJ Kenny, the head coach at Texas State, they beat Baylor as a massive dog, week one. Now they're getting ready to play UTSA. Here's GJ. We are here with the architect of the largest point spread upset of the weekend. I know that the Colorado TCU and and Duke Clemson got all the headlines, but it was GJ Kenny leading Texas state over Baylor as a 26 and a half point dog. That was the biggest upset of the weekend. But coach, I, I, I get the sense that you, you guys didn't feel like anything was all that surprising to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, we went into that game with a lot of confidence. We knew they were a really good team, but you know we feel like we have a really good team as well so uh the guys came out there they played really hard um next play mentality we told them that there's gonna be some good plays there's gonna be some bad plays just go to the next one and that's what they did and we looked up at the end of that thing and, and celebrating the locker room and had a lot of fun we've seen some big roster
1: flips this year obviously uh, deion sanders has been in the news a lot for it kenny dillingham had to do a big one at, at arizona state but you got 72 newcomers on your team, 52 new scholarship players. How did you get everybody to coalesce as quickly as you did?
2: Yeah, I think we have a really good staff. Um, we have a young staff. But, you know, we had a we had a blueprint. We had a, a game plan, and we were able to go out there and execute it. Um, and, and from the moment I got here, you know, we had some really good players leave. We have some players right now that were at – at Texas State last year that are starting at different schools. Um, so when I got here, I, I had to replace those guys. We had some guys that graduated, had to bring in some guys. And, and obviously we were, we're going to recruit Texas high school, uh, like I said, like our hair is on fire. So we were able to sign a couple of high school kids. Um, and, you know, we won't be able to do this again next year. You know, that that's not the, every, every year is not going to be like what we did this year. but. Uh, you know, it was a lot of fun, a lot of uh, official visits, a lot of dinners, a lot of hibachi. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was, it was fun. And and uh, we have a bunch of really good guys. You know, I think anytime you go into the, the portal, sometimes it can be a little scary, but we tried to identify guys. Um, one that we either had a relationship with, we recruited them. We knew their high school coach. Uh, we knew, I knew a college coach or, or, or somebody that, that played with them and, and uh, so we're able to do that. And then we look for those unique traits. You know, I, I like big guys. We're able to get some length. We're able to get some size up front on both sides and uh, some speed. And I think that was, you know, when we showed up to play Baylor, to be honest with you, you know, um, we, we looked um, like the Power 5 team. So, Hibachi, is that the secret to getting
1: the big guys when you bring them in?
2: Uh, it, it helps. The Hibachi definitely helps. You know, you, you got, you know, you can go the chicken, the steak, or you can go the combo and then, you know, that, that's where it's at.
1: Well, and the giant pile of rice, like that's yeah. as a, as a guy who used to be a lot bigger, when you see that giant pile of rice yeah. and you know, there's going to be a bunch of meat in there like that. Yeah. I'm signing right there.
2: Yeah. No veggies. I, I go, no veggies, rice <laughs> and just the chicken and steak, no veggies. Beautiful.
1: So you, the guys you brought in, it, it's interesting. Cause like TJ Fenley, your, your quarterback, he played at LSU in Auburn, but he's throwing to, to Joey Hobart who made that incredible one-handed catch on the sideline. He was at Utah tech. Yeah. Like, how did you, how did you find all these people? Because it's obviously a different experience recruiting somebody who's coming from Auburn and somebody who's coming from Utah tech.
2: Yeah. Yeah. TJ, TJ was one of those deals where I remember where I was at. I was uh, in new Braunfels um, over there and, and, uh I saw his name go in the portal. I, I I talked to a couple people, got his number, reached out to him, and uh, kind of gave gave it my spiel. And and um, he came on an official visit later that week. And he had a couple other P five OVs lined up. And after the OV, he canceled them and and decided to be a Bobcat, which was huge, um, you know, because he's a difference maker. You know, I think he's an NFL quarterback, you know, he's got the size, he's got the arm. He just needed to be in the right system. And if you look, look at his career, you know, the guys that recruited him for for their system kind of left. And, and yeah. so um, it was a situation where we, we felt really confident in his abilities. We just, you know, had to get him here. So he had to graduate. We had to go through that whole process and we got him here in the summer and, and uh, he really, uh, you know, you could see his leadership and, and, uh, you could tell he'd been around a bunch of really good coaches. So, uh, that was a pretty uh, smooth transition. And then, then Joey, you know, Joey actually played for coach Stutzman, our receiver coach pass game coordinator. So that was that connection there. And, and, uh, once again, he had some big time offers and some P five offers, but that the relationship part of it is, is really big and, and knowing what type of offense he was going to play. And that's what we sold him. Like, Hey, yeah, you can go to this school. You can go to that school, but you know, are you going to get the ball or, you know, are you going to be, be, uh, be, uh you know, one of the main guys, or are you just going to be a guy over there? So he believed in this, and and uh, the relationship went a long way. So your, your
1: coaching career is amazing because you, you finished playing football in 2016 and started coaching, and you've been somewhere different every year. You've been, you've been at SMU. You've been at Arkansas. You've been with the Philadelphia Eagles. You've been at, at UCF. You were the head coach last year at Incarnate Word in San Antonio. <coughs> and now here, I imagine that helped you in terms of the portal recruiting because you probably did have – Quite a few more relationships and, and quite a yeah. web of people you could call about hey you know this guy did you yeah. this guy
2: oh 100 is exactly right and it's uh and i used all of them believe me when you sign that many guys you're talking to a lot of people and and uh shoot talking to high school coaches in texas and and uh because that that's really that was the our target were guys that hey they played texas high school football they went to this school that school and then we we're able to get them back but um you know the, i know guys at auburn and And uh, where else did we sign guys from? Utah Tech. I didn't really know anyone. I guess Coach (laughs) Stepp. Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. We knew people with Malik and and, uh, that whole deal. SMU, you know, we signed a guy from there. Mm -hmm. Kansas State, we know the strength coaches there. You know, so a lot of times it's all about the relationships because when you you take someone, Oklahoma, we signed a bunch of Oklahoma guys. I know coaches there, no players there. So it was one of those deals where, uh, you know, you try to use as many – uh you know phone calls and, and 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 as possible um and i did i did figure out this the the ga's and qc's most of the time they'll tell you the truth more than the the full-time guys because you know the, the, sometimes they're trying to you know just get rid of them or basically the qc and they all want jobs so they'll tell you the truth
1: well and and you're so much closer to being a qc yeah. Than most other head coaches. I mean, that was only no, a few no. years ago for you. So, there, I don't. I, when you've been a head coach for twenty years, they might not be so w- willing to, to tell you the truth. They might yeah. be afraid of you at that
2: point. Yeah, that's true. That, that, that's a good point.
1: <laughs> so, uh, your offense is, is fascinating to me too because uh, you you played at Tulsa. <laughs> Gus Malzahn was your OC. Uh, there, there's a young Mike Norvell running around yeah. back then, and uh, <laughs> yeah. but but you you took a lot of that and then you go to UCF with Gus his first year there and you're you're kind of breaking it you know Dylan Gabriel you're inheriting him yeah and I heard you talk in an interview about looking at Josh Heupel's offense that Dylan had been playing in and saying I really like a lot of this you could marry a lot of the wide split vertical choice stuff with Gus's run game yeah and come up with a pretty fun offense
2: yeah yeah, you 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 hit it um exactly right. When when I got to UCF, obviously I you know I played for Gus and have a, a ton of respect for him and and to his credit, we had Dylan Gabriel who, you know, put up a lot of stats and he was a really good quarterback, returning quarterback. He said, Hey, go in there and, and learn what they did and, and uh you know what's he good at and we want to incorporate some of that stuff. So um we were able to do that and and uh you know so I sat in there with Dylan every day for for a whole offseason kind of going through his reads and, and what coverages they like this play against, what what they like this against. And and uh, and then, you know, obviously we were starting to do some of that stuff early in the season. Dylan gets hurt. We don't get to do as much of it. Um, so when I got the Incarnate Word job, I met with Coach Lefwich um, and kind of told him, like, hey, this is this is kind of the vision I have for this thing. And and we had a, a really good background as well. You know, his dad, Coach MacLeff, which is my OC, his dad was my offensive line coach at Tulsa. So we kind of had that connection already. And and he was very intrigued by the wide splits and the vertical choice game. And um and so it was it was a perfect fit. And after we talked, I said, Yep, this is my guy. We're gonna do this. And 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 we both had a, a background you know, a lot of Chip Kelly's passing game when we were with Philly was a bunch of air raid stuff. Uh, you see a lot of mesh, you see a lot of snag, um, that that type of stuff, and and that's what the background he came from. So we we're able to combine some of that pass game, and and I think that's what kind of makes us a little bit different. as, is, is we really are? We're kind of uh you know we go wide splits all the time, but we're we're able to find unique ways to still get some of those air raid pass concepts in there and, and run mesh and. And, uh, that type of stuff that maybe sometimes those, those deep choice guys don't run. So, um, and then the run game, uh, like you said, uh, from our background and, and, uh, you know, coach shoemaker, um, our offensive line coach and, and run game coordinator, um, some of the stuff that we do, you know, he was, um, with browse for a long time. And so yeah. that, that really Fear worked and out. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that really worked out well, because they're the, they're, he's really the originator of, of the wide splits and doing all that stuff. So it was right up his alley too. So it was really one of those deals where I got to incarnate word and, and um, it was, it was like a perfect match, you know, us three kind of doing it. And then, and then you add Craig Stutzman to the, the equation this year, who's been a run and shoot guy mm. his whole life worked for June Jones. And now we're incorporating some of that stuff. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's been really cool. Um, you know, we, we got so many ideas and so many, sometimes you go like, all right, that, that's good. But we ain't doing that right now. We can't do it. This might be the most Texas offense
1: ever conceived. That's, that's yeah, a yeah, No, of it. Doubt, no doubt. so another thing that I find really interesting is your, your quarterback and in incarnate word was Lindsey Scott, who had started his career at LSU. He'd, he'd gone Juco and you've got him working with your quarterbacks now at Texas state. How much does that help having a guy who's been in their shoes? To
2: help them along. Oh, it, it really is big. It's awesome. And and I know he's got a great career if, if he chooses to go to the XFL and, and hopefully get a chance in the NFL. But I'm telling you, he's a really good coach. Um, he, he can really do it. And and you know, with all these new rules and stuff, he can't really coach on the field, but he's able to be a you know a lifeline for those guys and text them and, and talk to them on the sidelines, that type of situation. So he does a he does a really good job and and uh, you know. It, it, it's easy um, he kind of get that instant credibility um, just because you know he had 71 touchdowns in the offense last year 60 passing 11 rushing and and so those guys listen to him and and Lindsey's very smart um, he's a great teacher um, so yeah he's got a, a really bright future in the coaching uh, profession when he gets done playing
1: so speaking of, of futures in the coaching profession we got to talk about this matchup this week you all, you all play UTSA Jeff trailer. Y'all have a lot of history. So uh, we'll, we'll go back to 2005 when you're in high school. Yep. This is, so my first exposure to, to the family name and and probably a lot of people who are watching this is it made national news. Your dad was your head coach. He got shot by a parent of another player in 2005. And so that but that's the season that ended with you playing trailers team right and, yeah. and
2: upsetting them in the playoffs right yeah exactly right so so yeah that, that incident happened April 7 2005 with my dad getting shot and obviously I was a a young guy and and uh, that was very tough on our family and and uh you know seeing him go through that and basically me kind of growing up and being the man of the house and 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 really running the football part of it running the family part of it and then he was able to you know obviously he had a, like a 5 10% chance to live and uh, so him dealing with with what he was dealing with and and him coming back and he he coached us that first uh, he was there for the first practice in, in two days and then um, you know was able to to coach that whole season we ended up going 12 and 2 and and uh, like you said we, we were able to beat uh, Gilmer in the in the second round of the playoffs 61 58 and, uh, you know, and that was kind of the, my first exposure to, to Coach Trailer, and just just the way they played and the offense they ran and and everything like that had a lot of respect for him. And then my dad gets the he was the national uh, coach of the year and gets the Baylor job. Uh, funny story about that. Coach Malzahn always gives uh, me and my dad a hard time because he went undefeated and they were the number one team in the country and he didn't get national coach of the year that year when he was at Springdale. But My dad tells him, you know, he got, he, he did get the Arkansas OC job. So yeah, he did get Arkansas, exactly. Right. So, uh, you know, that all happens. My dad gets the the job at Baylor. And, um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a place that that's going to continue to grow me as a quarterback and, um, uh, you know, Gilmer wasn't too far away. And so I decided to, to move me and my family moved to Gilmer. And so I, I got to play for Jeff. My brother won a state championship for Jeff. And, and uh, so, you know, it, it was it was one of those deals where his instant, uh, you know, we, we really got along and, and Jeff's like family to me. I, I love him and I have a lot of respect for him.
1: Could you tell as a player that he was destined to, to be what he would become?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was pretty easy. Like he, he's a big time coach. And, and he, even when we were at SMU in Arkansas, you could tell, like, I I, I had never seen him in that assistant role, but um, his kids loved him. His kids always performed. His kids were always our best players on our team. And uh, that wasn't by accident. And um, you know, so I, I knew when he got his opportunity in college that he was going to just take it and run with it and, and, and do exactly what he's been doing. And, and uh, so it's, it's been really fun to, to see his his, uh, you know, really rise like it's not a it's not a surprise to me or anyone that's been around them um, what he's been able to accomplish.
1: How weird have, have these first few weeks been for you? Because your, your brother was on the is on the Baylor staff. Yeah, this is yeah, this is, you know, folks that with UTSA folks that you've known for for most of your life. Like, how do you how do you handle obviously the deep personal connections, but not trying to give away anything when you gotta keep a competitive advantage.
2: Yeah, yeah. My Baylor's on the roster there. He's a he's a walk on receiver oh, there. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. My dad my dad played he was an all Southwest Conference linebacker there. He's mm-hmm. a Baylor legend. He coached there at one point. My sister graduated from Baylor. Um you know, so I have a lot of history there with that school. I was committed to Baylor at one point uh, before I flipped to Texas. So there was a lot of history there at, at Baylor. And then and then the next week you turn around and, and play your old high school coach uh, with Coach Trailer, who's, you know, arguably the, the best um, – you know coach in the country you know i i think that highly of him. so um it's a it's 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 been very unique and and one of those like my wife said the other one like the other day like we just got to get through this one let's get through this one and then you know one of those type deals they don't get any easier though they they they, know you know you
1: got to turn around and do this yeah
2: no no doubt no doubt, it's tough. But the good thing, like you said, I've been in a couple of different places, so it's one of those deals where usually I know someone on the other team that that you know you're coached with or played with, one of those type deals. Well, and and one thing you've said, and
1: I've noticed just following you on Twitter, you really do want to recruit the state of Texas. You want to you want to have the high school coaches in Texas have a good relationship with your program. I've seen high school coaches posting pictures from your practices, and how important is it to have that group? be close to your program and, and
2: understand what you're doing there. Yeah. It's, it's huge because, you know, I, I'm a, a firm believer in, in showing up with the better players. And uh, I, I feel like Texas has um, you know, the best um, territory to recruit. And they got the best high school coaches, they got the best programs. Um, and, and so you know, maybe if I was at a different place, I wouldn't feel that strongly about it. But being in Texas, you have to recruit Texas high schools. Um, and there's some really good coaches. I, you know, I, every time I go to one of these stops and recruit a school, I, I try to, you know, learn something. We talk offense, talk defense, and, and I always end up learning something. So we're always going to recruit Texas. That's where the Take Back Texas, you know, hashtag came from. And, and uh, you know, I think it's, it's been really positive. and especially after you beat a team like Baylor, like the recruits – you know, maybe there's a different type of recruit now that that's, uh, you know, responding to us and we're able to recruit. So you got UTSA
1: this week. Does the winner get control of I-35? I think so.
2: You already beat Baylor. I mean, yeah. maybe we have to ask the Longhorns. We have to ask this. the Longhorns. Their stadium the
1: Longhorns. is right off the, the
2: interstate. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good too. <laughs> I
1: mean, what, what, what a year in the, in the Lone Star State coach. Thank you so much. And, uh, and good luck against uh, a very familiar opponent.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on, and, and this was a lot of fun, and, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime soon.
1: That was a lot of fun with G.J. Kinney, and I think we're going to be hearing a lot more from him as time goes on. It, it, that start at Texas State was no accident. The, this guy has been an up-and-comer in the coaching world for quite some time, and I think you're going to know his name very, very well, in the next few years, when we come back, Roger Sherman, former writer for the ringer, decided he was going to take a college football odyssey this season. He plans to go to more than 60 games. He started this weekend with four in five days in a car. It started in Salt Lake City. It ended in Durham. Roger's going to take us through his weekend weekend. And what he's planning to do this season—it's the dream. I'm telling you, it is the dream. Here's Roger. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place
3: you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office.
1: Roger Sherman, you used to read him at the ringer. Now you're seeing him in a car in Durham, North Carolina. He's been in a car pretty much all weekend. So lately, before we talk to Roger, let's let's, let's lay out the travel log here. (laughs) Thursday night, he was in Salt Lake City at Florida, Utah. Saturday, he's in State College at West Virginia Penn State. Sunday, he's watching his alma mater, Northwestern, get destroyed at Rutgers. And Monday night, he's in Durham to watch the greatest win in Duke football history. And I apologize, Steve Spurrier, for saying that. But I think it probably was the greatest win in Duke football history.
3: I, I, over the course of this first week where I tried to go to five games in five days and drive most of the length of the United States, I realized that I, I had bit off a little bit more than I could chew with the driving. Um I will not be attempting a week like this past one again. There were some touch and go moments. And we luckily, my my wife came along with me for the first week. It was the one week she was going to do with me. If we do this as planned, we might end up dying. Because we were just planning on driving through the night uh, on back-to-back nights. And instead, we got a hotel room, which was the smart move. um, And we survived. Uh, but I I really uh, I'm gonna be a little bit smarter with the planning going forward, my man.
1: I, I am glad well, you don't have to worry about because there won't be wall to wall from Thursday to Monday like this again. It's just you no. know most of the game the the best games will be concentrated. there'll be occasional Good Friday games, but mostly Saturday. so hopefully there will the- be
3: there will be Tuesday to Saturday though.
1: Oh, that's true you're going to action. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really hope that the games that you choose those weeks, uh, the Saturday games are in the big 10 so that you can. Yeah. At least yeah.
3: yeah. Um, and, and at least the Mac games are close to each other, right? They're like, you know, in Ohio, you know, well, we might have to leave out, uh, the Buffalo Bulls, as mu- as much as I support them as, as an athletic program, they they might not be a top priority because they're not as centrally yeah, located. I,
1: you need to stay in that Toledo Bowling Green Akron triangle if you can, and then you yeah. just bump, if you need to bump up to a Michigan game on Saturday or a Michigan State game or, an, or go down to an Ohio State but, game, you're good.
3: After skipping the game the other night, um, like I kind of realized, people won't be intensely mad at me if I miss a game or two here or there. I'm not trying to set any records. I'm just trying to live on the road for four months and watch college football. And I I think um, people were still very applauding. Like I I felt a little bit bummed when I realized I wasn't going to be able to do the five games in five days dream that I had planned for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it turned out everyone was still like, holy crap, dude, you went from Utah to Penn State. And there was no negative... I'm so mad you missed the Missouri State Kansas game pushback. So I'm allowing myself to dial things back. Maybe from like a 11 to like a 8 is is where I need to be.
1: This road rage com- concept, which uh-huh. you're doing, you know, this is a big project. It's multimedia. Uh, you've got Patreon subscribers helping you out. You're, mm-hmm. you're chronicling yeah. it on various social media platforms. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I'm hoping there's a book in the offing. Cause I would love to read a book from you about this, but, but I, I say, this is my dream. And what the amazing part to, to me is you explaining that your wife came with you for the first week, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if I'd even suggested this to my wife, she would have divorced me.
3: Yes. Like I said, extremely single man's endeavor. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my wife has been oddly supportive. Um, you know, just apparently trying to get rid of me for four months um but no like uh she um the story is she's in like a really intense like nursing program right now she's getting a doctorate in nursing she's an actual important member of our society as opposed to being you and so you know she's pretty busy um she's uh like heading into her final year of this program and i brought this idea to her and she was like yeah go do this now like while i'm busy and before we have kids because you are super not gonna do this if if we have started a family you cannot go spend four months on the road um i think um it's it's a one-time deal I, I am not going to be permanently spending four months per year going to Maction and Conference USA games. We're um, we're we're trying this this one time, kind of seeing, like you said, the multimedia thing, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, seeing if there's, you know, like viability in being a a YouTube guy that the thing people do, um, and. Uh, yeah, like you said, um, if if any of you guys know a literary agent that are listening to this, uh, I would love to write a book about this because everyone just keeps saying, "Are you writing a book about this?" Because it's such a book. It's it is. It's, it, it's a book.
1: It, well, it's 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 not just college football; it's a story of America. Because you are going to see the story
3: of America. Yeah. It's a story of America, and you're, it's you're gonna see America
1: in the process. And,
3: it's a, Yes, I, I'm, I, I cook out for the first time last night. Um,
1: oh, what'd you get? Whoa, 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 what was the tray?
3: So I feel like I panicked with the tray a little bit. Uh, but I mean, it was great. The, the, my main takeaway was that like the milkshake at cookout is like an actual milkshake and not just mm-hmm. like a McFlurry situation. That was incredible.
1: Chocolate um, banana—that's the way to
3: go. I got banana, and it had little bits of banana in it. Um, I got a the spicy chicken, and then I I panicked on the sides, and I got corn dogs and a corn dog and hush puppies, and like obviously they were both good, but they that's too much of the same thing. I basically got like like fried corn product and other fried corn product, and and like I I was I was pressured. I was the only person above. 21 years old waiting in line at the Durham cookout after they pulled off the greatest upset in Duke football history. Um, uh, everyone else clearly was a cookout expert. I think my, my, I, I sort of knew. The Carolinas,
1: they know it's,
3: I knew, you can be excused. Which, and, and you think the, 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 the story of Duke people tell us that they are not from the Carolinas. They are, they are outsiders. They're people from New Jersey. Um, but everyone seemed to understand the cookout rules except for me. Um, <laughs> and, um, I, I, that I'd heard the legend of it and they really do not understand the concept of sides. <laughs> they, do they, not. Just have, they just have additional meals that you can put <laughs> next to your meal. <laughs> let's, so.
1: let's, let's show the folks what you were coming from though. This is, this is you, uh, right before the field storm where you accidentally, uh, show Duke scoring a touchdown.
3: The telltale side of when there's about to be a big college football upset. The student section has abandoned the upper part, and they're all masked right here.
1: That's also a pretty good sign of a college football upset. You have a future meteorologist with you.
3: Yeah. Um, you've 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 uh you've got to go in reverse a little bit i i t- if you watch the video i'm kind of unsure of what i'm pointing at in the in the video um no that was really serendipitous timing on their part you know i just try to show all the things that um people aren't seeing on tv when they're watching the game you know oh yeah it's a allig- every florida opponent does the alligator like we're gonna cook alligator at the tailgates like i've seen that multiple times i don't know who the alligator plug is who's providing everybody with alligator but i'm not sure if it's coming from florida seems like the most
1: it's definitely coming from florida uh probably from some folks who live within mm, 20 miles of me uh there are there are quite a few uh folks with their bang sticks that uh that make sure they they collect the alligators uh when they need to be collected so that people who play against florida can cook alligator for tailgates it's it's quite a you know teeming industry
3: so basically my um my like my thesis here and hopefully those videos um sort of show what i what i'm going for here is you know i've i've been writing about football like you know you've seen me at national championship games in the press box mm-hmm. that's probably where we met um you know, I, I mainly have been doing blogging uh, from my house and I haven't been going out and, you know, seeing the stuff that you see in the stands, that you see in the parking lots, that, like, is what draws so many people to college football. Um, I've just been a guy with a laptop up in the press box, um, you know, getting the box score and describing the on-field action, but college football's, you know, it's it's so much more than that you can't fully capture what people love about the sport just just yeah. You know, i i i think you have a pretty solid understanding of this i've you know it that it's so it is so closely linked to like our lives like within any other sport it it's 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 stories of places and people and things and yeah i'm trying to make little dumb videos showing that and um also, trying not to die. Those are my top two things: don't die and and show some stuff that people can't see on TV.
1: Favorite moment
3: of this four games in five days um, Odyssey. So storming the fields is pretty tough. Is pretty tough to top right off the bat. Um, I asked uh, at a game. Um, I would say I, there was a squirrel on the field in West Virginia or or at Penn state. And I really thought for a couple of seconds that he was a goner because he was running towards the West Virginia Mountaineer, but who has, I believe an armed rifle with, I I believe that it shoots something out of it. And I I, 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 I assume blanks. I, I assume just like a smoke propellant, but it still seems like that would be enough to take down your run-of-the-mill squirrel. So I, after the game, uh, which West Virginia did not win, I went up to the Mountaineer mascot. And even though they had just lost and I was wearing opposing colors, I asked him uh, why, why is that squirrel still alive? And he said, it's because, because we weren't in Morgantown. If we were in Morgantown, I would have, I would have shot that squirrel. Um, we, we, I didn't we have, know. Th-
1: we have, we have the video of, of the squirrel on the field. <laughs> no, no, For those watching the video, Roger has moved because, uh, the phone was overheating in the car. And so now he's, a. Uh,
3: I'm in the I'm in the shade. I'm in the shade of a of a of a of a cabin. There is there is a tree providing some decent shade nearby. Um, uh, yeah, no this this the uh, part of the problem with um, making content about driving around the United States in a car is you have to make content while driving around the United States in a car. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm I'm trying to figure out every aspect of it, but you're getting some good, like bug noises right now as a city boy. I, 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 I only know that as like generic country bug noise. I, I think they're, I'm not a hundred percent sure what type of bug that is. That's making, but it's,
1: it's crickets rubbing their legs together, trying to get other crickets to come have sex with them. That's, that's pretty hmm. much what's going on. Um, uh, but I do have one yeah. more question. It's a very important question because obviously you went to a Penn state game. So that means Uh, You you entered the state of Pennsylvania from the West. You went to state Mm -hmm. college. You then moved down the Eastern seaboard. So this makes you uniquely qualified probably to answer this question. Sheets or Wawa.
3: Um, I've had both of them one time in my life. And I had a. The thing is, you've really, you've set me up here because most of the time I'm just trying to be positive and tell everybody that their thing is great. And like your school has unique things about it that, that other people don't know about. And it's fascinating. And the food is good and experiencing all these great things. And you have put me in a position here where I'm going to make 50 percent of the great state of Pennsylvania come and hunt me down. And the answer is the, the answer is Wawa. The answer is Wawa. Yeah. I've only had them once, so sheets has time to win me back over. I'm not, I'm not a, you know, it's like a pretty, pretty clear. That's the number one question you had. I, I, I drew. That's the number one question you had. Sheets or Wawa?
1: Roger. You've met me. Gas stations are very important to me. Like, as someone who also has traveled a bunch between college towns, like this is this is where I feel like. If if I was on this trip, what I would be doing is just judging gas stations the whole time.
3: <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm not trying to screw up my sponsorships. If at some point one of the gas stations uh, is like, we need to uh, we need to. But I'm I'm working on getting a Love's Travel Stop uh sponsorship. I just feel like they're oh. they could really use Road Raj. Um, I can take them to the next level.
1: I, so I know a guy.
3: Are is this a joke, or do you know? No. No, you, Mr. There's Love. A
1: college, there's a college football connection to this. So Gabe Eichard, former Oklahoma center. Yes. Currently is I, on the Oklahoma radio broadcast crew. He works for Sirius XM is married into the loves dynasty.
3: Oh my God. I I, I like genuinely extremely passionate about loves. He has I'm
1: mailed a, me loves merchandise before.
3: This is, I, listen, listen I'm like sort of, joking and sort of not i will probably use them regardless of whether they sponsor me or not uh i do not i'm not good at convincing people to sponsor me yet except for a home field apparel uh, by your wonderful home field t-shirt um uh there's a promo code or some shit like that um (laughs) uh but um i'm like a little bit like i would be starstruck to meet the 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 loves the loves travel stop dynasty.
1: Well, so I'm glad you said that because I I am a I'm a big proponent of loves. The pork tamales on the roller grill mm-hmm. hard to beat.
3: Mm-hmm. I've I I've I've already used them. Like I've been doing this about approximately nine days, and I, I, at least I've probably been there at least. 10 times at this point i'm filling up a lot and they're open 24 7 i'm not they're not paying me yet i'm paying them at this point um they generally have like a replacement level fast food option available like which is the best thing you can get at 4 a.m is you know they they have like a legitimate fast food restaurant inside the store i'm i'm all about it they have all the charging things i need they have uh, the one recommendation i was given for this trip from Ben Chase, Florida fan who did it last year, was buy caffeinated gum. Uh, <laughs> and they, so they sell caffeine gum and caffeine chocolate at the front desk. And um, I, I, I prefer the chocolate to the gum, but the gum really, the masticating uh, process can keep you a, a little bit like energized too. So I'm, I'm gonna look into that as well.
1: You, you should always masticate and drive. Every mm-hmm. chance you get. Roger, thank you so much. I am clipping this and I am sending it to the highest levels of loves to see what we can do.
3: I mean, you're talking you're talking to a loves rewards member. Uh so so okay, I wanted to I had a conversation at four a.m. with uh a loves employee, and I was like, so they have one tier of rewards for that anyone can sign up for and one tier for professional drivers. And I inquired about what the definition of professional driver was. I was like, I'm driving professionally. I'm going to sixty college football games. Apparently, they literally mean like you have to have a CDL or something like that, which I I don't. Do. I I I do not have one of those. Um, uh, so that that fell on heart. Uh, that 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 didn't work out. But you know, hook me up. I'll I'll I will wear a Love's Travel Stops T-shirt.
1: We will see what we can do. This is. Uh,
3: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait. Hopefully, we can have you back on as you go through. I mean, your first week, you packed a year of college football into one weekend. I yep. cannot imagine what you're going to do in a whole season. Thank you I so much, wait. Roger. I'm like
3: I'm so excited and scared.
1: Drive safe. Thanks. Man. For today's extra point, let's examine the Dion effect at Colorado a little further. It actually can be measured in real dollars. Last year, if you wanted to attend all of Colorado's home games, if you wanted to buy one ticket to each of Colorado's home games, you could have done that for as little as 222 bucks. So you could have gotten the whole home schedule, one ticket, 222 bucks. Our friends at game time right now, the lowest price to get in to Colorado, Nebraska, the Huskers coming to Folsom Field. You see Ralphie running. You're gonna see Matt Rule smock. You see Coach Prime, Travis Hunter. The lowest price up in the corner, three hundred forty-five bucks. So it is more expensive to go to this one game, thanks to Dion, than it was to go watch the entire season last year. That is a successful coaching hire. Say what you will about the man's methods. He gets stuff done, including providing a ton of value for the school. It's already sold out. The secondary market is skyrocketing. And it can only go up from here if they keep winning. And guess what? After what we saw on Saturday, there's a good chance they might do it. Tomorrow... We're making our picks against the spread special guest picker jacob hester former lsu star you can hear him on sirius xm radio now he joins us will he go the full back route and just pick the teams that block the best or will he dive into the analytics again we'll see we got a lot of games to pick it is a really loaded college football saturday coming up we'll pick the games with jacob tomorrow